Um, but I, I've, so I got out of jail. It was the best thing that ever happened. You know, my, my biggest problem was, you know, I felt those feelings mostly when I visited my family or when I got a letter from them or something like that. I see them through glass. And it's like, I was like, ah, oh, man, like, you know, yeah. And so you think that that's what your life is. You're like, oh, well, I'm going to be back here every five months to like, you know, you see all these other cats, like they know each other when they get there. It's like, what, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Why are you guys are so excited? <laughs> but you think like, all right, this is it. This is my, like, you know, nothing good can happen now. You know, this is my life now. And that's just not the case. So I got out and I got, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I'd only served, like the only real job I ever had was restaurant industry. So I got, I went back to serving because obviously it doesn't matter what you do when you're a server, they don't care. And uh, it just worked hard enough to where I got promoted to management. I caught the eye of, there was an owner's daughter who was working there. It was a small Irish place in D- What's up, everybody? Thanks for dropping by to hang out today. I'm the host of the show, Sean Dustin. Uh, If this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, If you're returning, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Uh, Let's get to the uh, how all the ways you can support the show. Uh, There are a few different ways. Uh, You know, if you want to go the money option, uh, if you can afford it, and uh, you have means. Uh, we have a Patreon, uh, page that's currently being loaded up with content, uh, you know, subscriber only content, which basically is, uh, you know, the one to $3, uh, levels you get unedited, uh, well not unedited, but, uh, ad free, uh, intro, outro free, all of the episodes that I currently have in my catalog and the ones, you know, that, uh, any episode that, that I get will go over there as well to where you don't have to listen to this part of it. Uh, it's just nothing but the conversation itself. And if you jump into the $10, uh, range, we have, uh, all of the conversations that I still have to publish, which are like, oh man, I don't know. Maybe there's got to be over like probably 30 of them that are still over there. I mean, at some point they will make it onto the show. It's just a matter of me getting to it. So, I mean, if you, you know, listen to everything and you want more, uh, there's a place where you can go and get it. Uh, I'm, I am, you know, knocking down that, uh, that, that tall mountain though. Uh, this episode today is one of those that I've pulled out of there, uh, to, to publish. Um, so I do make my way, I, I am making my way through it. That's what you can get over a Patreon. Uh, or, you know, if you just want to make a one-time donation, you can go over to PayPal and shoot me, uh, shoot me a donation, uh, whatever it is you feel like, you know, you want to help, help support. Uh, and that would be NorCal Drone Services at yahoo.com. Uh, it's the, and that was for my, my drone business. That's the listing there. I just didn't, just being lazy and didn't want to do a whole new one for uh, the podcast, but I probably will at some point. Or you can Venmo me, you know, uh, and for that, just uh, nowhere to go but up now at gmail.com and ask for my Venmo information and I will be more than happy to shoot it to you. What else? Oh, yeah. 
And if you don't, and if you don't have money and you can't afford it, uh, another way that you can help support the show is just by subscribing. Uh, on your favorite podcast platform, uh, iTunes, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen to your, your podcasts on, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, that helps me out. And, uh, you know, if you've listened to an episode and you like something that I'm doing, go over and, uh, review it and, and rate it and, you know, tell me about it. Tell you know, that's a, that's a kind of a gauge, you know, for a podcaster is over in the, uh, the reviews. You know, we know what we're doing if we're doing a good job or, you know, what, what the pulse of the, of the people, uh, is over there. Um, so yeah, I mean, all of that and it all helps too. It all helps with the algorithm and boosting our, and boosting episodes, boosting shows. Um, you know, the more, the more subscribers you have and the more reviews and ratings, they all play a part. And, you know, the higher you go, the more, visible you are on the platforms themselves you know so yeah and then also if you merchandise we've got some merchandise so if you go to my link tree link which is in the show notes uh go over to the merchandise tab and you know got some cool cool show swag over there that you can check out and that helps support the show as well so a lot of different ways that you can help do uh help me uh keep bringing you this content um, you know, at some point I will be going back to work and I, you know, I hope I can continue the, uh, the, the scale that I've, I've put it up to as, as far as what I'm doing, you know, you've got the live streams that are over on, uh, you know, happening once a week over on Facebook and, uh, YouTube. So, yeah, so the show is definitely doing some good things, uh, doing definitely a lot more. And, uh, so Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen, man. Anyways, so that's enough of me rambling on. Um, this episode is with, uh, Scott Hall. He's a comedian and also, uh, you know, somebody who, so this episode and this conversation was really funny to me. Uh, and you'll hear me, you'll hear me laughing quite a bit. And, you know, a lot of that is just me. Um, like as, as Scott's telling his story, like, I can really identify with what he's saying and uh, like either cause I've been through it myself or like, I know exactly what he's talking about. And so that, that's really what you hear. And uh, it's a cool conversation. It's about, uh, you know, Scott's uh, life and, and his journey. And then, uh, but we also, you know, uh, share our stories where we relate in, in, you know, as far as being in jail, uh, some of the feelings that are associated with it. Um, you know, when you, when you end up there, what, what goes through your head, stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, I'm going to actually have to reach out to him and, uh, and, and get him back on, uh, see where he's at with his, uh, comedy journey. So anyways, without further ado, let's get to the show. Uh, this is the nowhere to go, but up podcast. And I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today we are talking to Scott Hall and Scott Hall is a comedian and a podcaster. And he also has a, uh, a bottom to share with us or, you know, struggle life story stuff. And, uh, I mean, go figure most comics have a story. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on, Sean? How are you? 
I'm I'm good. I'm good. Uh, like I said, just uh, getting a start to my day. Uh, you're you're two of of seven today, so <laughs> I like it. Yeah, go, I mean, there's not a whole lot to do right now as it is. Right, go hard or go home. Right, exactly, exactly. So you and I share some similarities in our uh, in our stories. Okay, uh, we've both been uh, to jail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've both uh, had a uh, struggled with addiction. Yes, and we are both uh, fans of Rogan, which I'm sure there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of other a lot of other people that are. But I'm sure uh, he. I don't know about you, but for me, he was part of the reason why I started a podcast and actually, yeah. you know, uh, started looking at myself. Uh, in, in a different direct, in a different light, you know, instead of, yeah, I took care of the, uh, the addiction. I took care of, you know, some of the other problems that I had in my life, but I still had these pockets of, of bad behavior, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the character defects, uh, the way yeah. that I treated people that was still very much present in my life. Yes. You know, and around the time when I started listening to him is when I really started getting introspective. You know, he kind of was an introvert and I, I, I looked, I looked to myself, but I mean, I really started looking more to myself, uh, and, and where the problems were lying instead of yeah, looking over here. Oh, it's you or it's you. Or, yeah. You know, I suck because of everybody else, not because I don't put exactly. the time and, 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 and the time into it and, and, you know, not be lazy. So exactly. Let me stop talking. I have a problem with doing this sometimes. I just no, no, no. go. Uh, so tell me about it. Tell me about your story. Tell me about you. No, I love that. I mean, that's funny that you say that about the Rogan thing and just about accepting um, kind of, I mean, the idea that I got, I guess it might've came from a Rogan podcast or maybe a book I read, but it was right around the same time I started really getting involved with Rogan um, or just, you know, kind of paying attention more than just having it on in the background uh, was the idea of radical responsibility which is like you, you just said, I mean, just the fact of, of, all right, everything is my fault. And, but if everything is my fault, that also means that I have the power to fix it as well. So I, I found that through watching that, I think he might've had Jocko Willink on, who's like a Navy SEAL. Yeah, yeah, I know. I he know. was talking about that. And ever since I kind of adopted that concept, because, uh, I mean, I, I kind of don't know where to start and jump all over the place, but um We'll start from the beginning. Yes, Rogan. I'm a big fan of Rogan. And the radical responsibility, I think, came a lot from he seems to be someone that I looked up to because he seems like, you know, when you watch Rogan, he seems like he's got it figured out. Do you know what I mean? He just always seems very at peace. He seems very uh, relaxed. You know what I mean? He's always very logical. And I know it's I mean, I'm sure if you run hills four hours a day, you know, it'll uh, it'll get us some of that anxiety out. But that was always something that I struggled with in addiction. And I think, uh, you know, from, you know, it stems from childhood. Uh, I was just never comfortable, adopted. That didn't really go well. And, you know, everything's worked out now as far as my family goes. When I got sober and after jail, we worked everything out. But initially, you know, I, I was kind of spent a lot of time in my room. I was really anxious around uh, my family and uh, my mother and my father just because as I was arguing, everything was like my fault. I wasn't exactly a good kid either. So I know that, that, you know, I take, I definitely have to take responsibility in that, but uh, it manifested a lot of anxiety and just uncomfortability around people that I guess you should be comfortable um, being intimate around like family members, girlfriends, um, anyone that got close to me. I kind of, you know, I found a way to put up a barrier just because 
you know, it took a long time to understand that's why. But, uh, you know, you look at someone like Rogan, he just seems very logical and very relaxed. And I never had that level of comfortability. So when I first started watching his podcast, I was just, you know, I looked at the guy and I was just like, oh, man, like well, what it must feel like just to be able to sit and like think clearly and just <laughs> without freaking out about what people are going to think or what people are going to say or this and that. Um, so, yeah, I was a big fan of Rogan, too. Man. He's awesome. Well, it's almost with him. It's almost like since I, I grew up watching him on uh, on Fear Factor, that was one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Plus, they played a lot of reruns in that uh, when I was in prison and doing my <laughs> doing my in the TV room when I was fighting my case. Uh, so, you know, I, I just I don't know. I felt comfortable with him, and you know, in a lot of ways, I think what what his popularity is is that like guys like me and you. We can identify with him, like we see ourselves yeah. in him, you know. Versus, yeah. versus, or, or maybe the the we see that we have the potential to possibly be, uh, there. You know what I mean? Because he looks yeah. like a guy like us, you know. Yeah, and I, I, a lot of, you know the podcasting thing, and I, you know one of the questions that we get in pre-interview stuff, um, you know, why do you want to do podcasting? A reason when I first started my podcast. It was a lot about I do my first my first episode I did I had gotten uh, so anyway let me just I'll give you a quick backstory is that I kind of you know I was I was kind of screw up through high school didn't really know what I was going to do I ended up joining the military um, because I didn't have a whole lot of options you know never good in school always a class clown always running around sneaking out at night that kind of thing and a lot of that was you know I didn't get along with my parents as well so it was just combative. Uh, after that, joined the army. Did that for about did reserves, but I just did it to get away. Did that for a little while, kind of just trailed off, got discharged uh, honorably, even though it probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> and uh, uh, maybe four months out of that, you know what I mean? I'm a young kid, never done anything. I had a signing bonus, twenty grand. Um, you know, uh, walking in, uh, yeah, never had anything in my life, didn't, and I didn't earn it. I mean, basic training, you do, you earn it. I'm not saying that, but like it's a small price to pay for 20 grand on the street as a young kid. It's not, it wasn't like hard work over years. So I'm blowing it. Never had my, I'm, I'm, you know, buying new shoes on a whim. Ridiculous. So I blow through that, uh, you know, in that process, start drinking pretty heavily, uh, end up getting, losing my license, uh, for I think speeding or failure to appear or something like that. I ended up racking up probably about, I would get a suspended. I would keep getting caught driving on suspended right after I got out of the army. So I would get, I would get it and I'm likable. I'm a good talker. I'm a nice guy. I get, and which is, you know, it sounds like a benefit and it is, but it's been the lack of consequences I had as a young adult has been my biggest detriment because I was nice. And so they would take me in and they'd be like, Oh, you're like a vet. Like you seem, you know, even if I was a little buzzed or something like that, they would, I was just always very nice. So they would always let me go. All right, here's your court date, whatever. And I would just never go. And failure to appear is not something they're going to come get you. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So fast forward, uh, maybe about a year. I'm, you know, I'm I'm drinking pretty heavily, maybe a bottle of wine a day. I'm dabbling in drugs when there's like around it. Obviously, uh, you know, harder drugs, cocaine, that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, when I kind of pills, whenever I get my hands on, not that I was ever a big guy, but it was just like if someone had it, I was taking it. Whatever could get me away from my reality. And so I, I moved down, which is a horrible decision. My girlfriend I was dating in high school who dated me through the army. We broke up. We get back together. I, I, pretty much so that I could have a place to be. And I hate to say that. 
So I go down to Virginia Tech, that's where she's at. I end up one night um, taking her car, uh, suspended license. And I've been told 27 times not to drive at that point. And uh, I go and I get a handle, two handles um, of like the cheapest vodka I think I could find at the time because I didn't have a job, didn't move down there with a plan. And I'm driving around, I, I drink one and a half. So one and a half handles and I'm, I'm driving along this thing. I black out. I wake up and I had driven a mile along a country road, scraping up against a cattle fence. Oh. Yeah. A whole mile. Oh. <laughs> it was bad, dude, it was bad, man. Oh. And so I'm, I wake up and I'm just, you know, smoke and the clinkers on. And like, I don't think the airbags went off. I couldn't get out of my driver's side door because it's lean. The hit, the cattle fence was down kind of an embankment. So it was like a little steep off the road. So it's kind of like this. So the passenger or the driver's side door is leaning up against the thing, leaning up against the cattle fence. So I get on the passenger side, smoke. I'm trying to like rev the tires. I'm looking at it like, you know, I'm drunk. So the car doesn't look as bad. Yeah. In my, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I don't get it out. Drive it home, make up something. I'll lie about it like I always do. And uh, the cops pull up. So they come up and uh, I was super cool with them. I was like, I'm drunk. As soon as they came up, I was like, they didn't handcuff me. They didn't even handcuff me. That's, and again, it's just the lack of, you know, but uh, they were super cool. They were kind of laughing because I was very like, I was like, he got, I was like, what am I going to do, man? I've always been, at least when something ever happens, uh, I just go, all right, he, he got me. So they were, they were cool. I refused to take a breathalyzer. They sat me in a room. This guy talked to me for like 20 minutes. And uh, long story short, I move that, you know, that incident obviously screws up everything with the girl I'm dating because it's her car and this and that. <laughs> yeah. right. It took like, a, they towed it and I lied about it and she didn't find out about it until after she went to pick up the car like two weeks later. I lied about it until the day of because of course, yeah, you know, yeah, why, yeah. Would not, why would I not run from And uh, so uh, I moved back up here, uh, which is DC um, from Southern Virginia to get sober. And I think I had like two weeks or something like that. Just off booze, obviously, like, what are you going to do? Call my parents. They had to have a meeting. My family had to have a meeting with each other uh, to, to discuss whether it was okay for me to come home. So that's the kind of terms we were on. So I'm there for about two weeks, sitting at home one day. Cops knock on the door, uh, take me back home. I had a warrant. They drove four hours to come get me, drove me four hours down. And uh, I did a year. And uh, it was, I could have, I think I could have taken two felonies done like a month um or it was like three misdemeanors in a year because part of the thing in the car it was like a there was a, a larceny charge or something like that it all got dropped to misdemeanor so i did the year and i don't know how you feel about it but that year in jail was the best thing that ever happened to me. um <laughs> <laughs> well not, not up front but in the long term well, i needed it if you, because you call it, you're calling it jail, so I already automatically know that you were probably in a county. No, I didn't go to prison. No, yeah, you're in a county jail and a city jail yeah. situation. You know, I don't. You probably had being there for a year. You experienced guys that are in transportation. You know, they just got you maybe violated. They've been to prison before. You know, going, coming, coming, and going. And I, I bet you've heard that. Oh my god, I just can't wait to get back, get back to prison. Send me back yeah, to prison. Absolutely. 
you know, because it's almost yeah. I mean, I know the amenities, and we had we were in Southern Virginia, so it was kind of bi- it was kind of a bigger one. So we were like maybe a little bit bigger than some jails. Yeah, but I know I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, because it, 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 there's more freedom in prison than there is in a county jail or a city jail yes. or, or you know, whatever that is. So, no, I don't I, – I would not want to go back to, to a, a city jail. But, I mean, you know uh-huh. – it just kind of, it kind of, it kind of was what it was. Yeah. It, it was, it, it gives you, it gives you pause. It gives you time to actually, um, yeah. take a look and reflect on, on, and on what you did. And, and, uh, you know, when I first got, when I first got, uh, man, I'd been to jail before I've been, you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I, I'd never been to, I'd never been locked up with the mindset that like, this shit's real. Uh, yeah, I ain't yeah, getting out. Either. I ain't, I'm not going nowhere for a while. This, I'm, I, yeah. this is my new reality. And yeah. I literally, and it was probably around the, I gotta say probably the, the fourth day that I was, I, I had been locked up. I was laying on my bunk and it was an open, an open dorm setting, right? But there was, there mm-hmm. was bunk, they weren't bunked up this high. There were single, single bunks, uh, single beds okay. in a row, you know, like four rows and there's a little partition in between each one. And I was laying in bed and I'd been sleeping the whole time because I'd been up on a, on a run when I got arrested. Right. And so yeah. immediately I, I, I went to sleep for like three days, would wake up to piss shit, take a shower, uh, eat. And, but I go right back to sleep because, you know, methamphetamine is a, 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 yeah, dude. A I was in Southern Virginia, man. My whole, my whole block was everybody, man, running from the cops, whatever. I would, you know, they get in. Yeah. And I just be like, ah, five days. I'll talk to him in a week. <laughs> There's really no point getting to it, you know. So my 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 mindset was really screwed. I was just I would, remember I was just laying there and I I I resigned to the fact that this is it. This is my reality for a while. And I curled up into a ball and just started bawling, man. Mm. But had to be quiet because I mean the, the, it's an open dorm. I didn't want anybody to hear. Like, I was, listen to this little bitch over here crying because he's in fucking in jail, you know. But I, that's how I felt. I was like, fuck, man. Yeah. I really screwed my life up, you know. I cried, and, in, the sh- I cried in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was one of those ones, man, where it was coming straight from the bottom of your your stomach, and it was like I was cramping up because i'm trying to hold it in and it just it won't it it's it was like fuck dude it's coming out <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i know it's open i'm like jesus christ it sucks well that's you know the interesting thing about that too and i've said it on my podcast is and i say this a lot is that we what helped me with starting comedy and starting a podcast because after i got out of jail i went into restaurant management i'll just finish i'll get i'll get to where i was um, but I, I, so I got out of jail. It was the best thing that ever happened. You know, my, my biggest problem was, you know, I felt those feelings mostly when I visited my family or when I got a letter from them or something like that. I see them through glass. And it's like, I was like, ah, oh, man, like, you know, yeah. and so you think that that's what your life is. You're like, oh, well, I'm going to be back here every five months to like, you know, you see all these other cats, like they know each other when they get there. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Well, you guys are so excited, <laughs> but you think like, all right, this is it. This is my, like, you know, nothing good can happen now. You know, this is my life now. And that's just not the case. So I got out and I got, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I'd only served, like the only real job I ever had was restaurant industry. So I got, I went back to serving because obviously it doesn't matter what you do when you're a server, they don't care. And uh, it just worked hard enough to where 
I got promoted to management. I caught the eye of there was an owner's daughter was working. There was a small Irish place in well, it's actually a big place in DC. It's uh, closed now, but it was an Irish place. His daughter worked there. Saw how hard I was working. Got bumped up to management, and at that point, you know, in my life, everything was kind of going wrong. It was the first time that anyone was like, "Hey, like you're doing a good job. Here's something." Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I wasn't afraid of hard work just because the army. I think that that's programmed in me from from something. Like if someone asked me to do something, I just do it. Uh, it's more about me motivating myself. I have an issue with, but uh, so anyway. I, long story short, I, I I ended up being the GM of multiple. You know, I got I, I got bumped up to GM at that restaurant, then moved on to a bigger company. And then moved on to another big company and, uh, you know, six figures. And I was like, I think 26 at the time. I'm, I'm, I'll be 30 in July. And, uh, or maybe 27, 26, 27 at the time. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I started doing a lot of drugs <laughs> again because it was, again, money and the work didn't bother me. And I fell into the habits of being Mr. Cool Guy. So I went from being, I'm a giant piece of shit who will never do anything with his life. And, you know, a lot of self-loathing to being able to hand out a business card that says I'm better than you, which is uh, essentially what it was at the time. I well, say that my best. I'm, I'm going to break it. It, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't help your, help your case that you're a good looking dude. So <laughs> you're, the, the, do- the doors are immediately yeah. al- always open for you. You know what I mean? I, I've yes. always, that's just, that's just how it goes, man. Same thing for you. I'm sure. Yeah. Dude, you get, it's, it's these advantages that are, you know, it's, it, it hurts, man. It does. And I, I that would boohoo me. I'm not saying I'm not no, it's, complaining, but I, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I took every angle I could get, I guess, in life. You know what I mean? I used whatever I had and being, a, you know, not being bad looking is definitely one. And, and uh, being a smooth talker yeah, is kind of yeah. a little bit of that too. So, you know, I get to the point where I'm running multiple restaurants in DC. You know, I can get into the clubs for free people because they're popular. I don't want to say whatever. I mean, they know, but they're popular. I go in with a hat. They're like, oh, he's the GM. He's the RM of this company. So I'm like going in the clubs. You go in the DJ booth. People are giving you cocaine. And like, so I'm like spinning out of control and uh, end up like overspending money with the company. So I'm in debt to the company, like $2,500. They don't know anything about it. No. Just because I'm like, yeah, so I quit. <laughs> and I quit. I, you know what I mean? I put in my two. And I didn't like the company either. I knew that I was spiraling. And I had so much drama in my life at the time. And I was just like, I don't know what to do, but I can't be doing this. Yeah. And so I was just so unhappy. And also I knew I was going to get like reamed out for the money thing at some point. So I ran away. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, we figured everything out. It was never, never anything. All that stuff's never as bad as you think it's going to be. The, what drove me, the anxiety of having that conversation with them was like, look, I misplaced 25. Dude, and we did like, you know, 70 grand on one day sometimes. So it's like 2,500 in a grand screen thing wasn't a big deal, but I worked myself into an anxiety that I would use, you know, drinking constantly. I would, sometimes I would come to work with a briefcase and I would have a small bottle of vodka in my briefcase. Uh, like Ciroc. And I would just be in the office, man. There were times where I was at a restaurant GM at Expo and it'd be a full brunch, like 400 people in a restaurant. And I had a Voss water bottle and it would be half water, half vodka. Oh, <laughs> and I'd work for hours on like the most difficult, like my tolerance was ridiculous. And so I just, you know, it was just a habitual for years. And when you're succeeding, it's hard to break that habit. Like I'm getting drunk every night, but I'm still getting promoted. It's like, well, what am I doing wrong? I'm a genius. 
Yeah, yeah. I figured uh, out how to be able to party and get and get promoted and paid. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, if I just work hard. So then I would use an excuse. I would stay overnight at the restaurant and, and you know, I'd sit there and I'd do lines at like two in the morning with my laptop. I'll just be, I'd do a couple bomb times, get work done. And I was just crushing it. I'd get more work done than anybody, but it would be a little off. Some misspellings, this, that. Like, what are you, what are you drunk? What are you? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the big idea is great. Like the server manual, this, that, but things are all out of place, you know, little stuff. And obviously that snowballs. So by the time I leave that last company, I'm at my wits end. You know, I was making money, so I had money in the bank. And I pretty much sat. I decided I would stop drinking before I quit. So I had stopped drinking, but I didn't stop doing cocaine. Because <laughs> drinking is the problem, right? And yeah. so I stopped drinking for like three months. And I'm, I'm doing, I mean, at one point, after I, I stopped drinking three months, and, I, you know, the cocaine use is building up. I leave the restaurant and in between this, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm sitting in my very expensive apartment, which I'm, you know, every month can't afford because I don't have a job, <laughs> and, you know, I, and that's building up and I'm avoiding my roommate. I'm just sitting in my room, just in my room. And I wouldn't leave my room for days. And I had two separate cocaine dealers. I would have one drop off in April on like Tuesdays and another one drop off on Thursdays so that they didn't know. And I would stay in my room. And I, if I was hungry, I would go to Bob and Edith's, which is like a diner around here. It was across the street. And there's a gas station next door. So I could get cigarettes and I could get like a milkshake if I could eat. And uh, yeah, long story short, I mean, it's just, I keep saying long story short, but I, I, I eventually couldn't afford that apartment. Had to leave. That didn't work. You know what I mean? I ended up owing like $1,800 by the time I left. And I had to pay that off over the next few months. Moved back with my parents. And at that point, me and my parents were kind of on good terms. You know, a, a couple of years of me being a restaurant GM, they didn't see all the other side of it. I, you know, I didn't tell them all that. Um, but I moved back to my parents and I, I sobered up uh, off the NA. I realized a couple of times on booze. I'm currently sober off that too. But the cocaine, I, I stopped almost immediately after that just because I was in such a place of, I mean, there are times where I'll get, uh, you know, amped up and I'm laying on my bedroom floor looking under my door to see if like maintenance people are like in my living room because I was just it was just yeah. and I was like days and so uh, yeah I go home and I think I started reading I can't remember what clicked it might have been the subtle art of not giving a fuck or or, or um, Eckhart Tolle but something clicked and I, yeah Eckhart Tolle is awesome but I discovered him in prison yeah, a lot of people do. I got the book sent when I was in jail, and I was just over my head. I wasn't ready to accept it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so I started reading that stuff. It might have been a podcast, but I just was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a podcast. You know, I feel like I'm in a place I'm going to do a podcast. I don't know. And I was in my old high school bedroom at like 20, 28, whatever, 20, you know, I'm 20, 30 now, so 27, maybe late 27. And I did it in my bed in my old high school bedroom on my iPhone, like with a, you know, earphone cord. And I did it for an hour and I, you know, it was awful. <laughs> and um, let my dad listen to it. And he goes, he goes, you have a good voice. <laughs> That's what he said. And uh, so no compliments on the, you know, it was probably very embarrassing. And anyway, anyway, the podcast kind of developed into, I did that for a year and I got very, this is what I would talk about, about how, you, you know, you think circumstances in your life are forever. 
you know, we always identified like when I was in jail, I thought, you know, that was going to be my life. When I was a restaurant GM, I was like, I'm Mr. Cool guy. Like I'm a business guy. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to wear suits. You know, I had my whole future in my head and, and it changes like that. You know what I mean? And you have the ability to change it too. So when I started podcasting and I didn't even know I had those thoughts or ideas until I started talking. So I would do an hour every day, like, you know, the podcast would just be an hour of me by myself. Yeah. And I would cry and this and that and get very involved. And, uh, then I worked up the nerve to get on stage and yeah, it's been uh, two years since. So, you know, and it's taken off a lot more than, than uh, most people in two years. I think just because the chasing of authenticity and people who have been through life mm-hmm. like you and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the fact or a big uh, proponent of the fact that, you know, I think to have true empathy, you have to have gone through something. You know, I don't think, you know, people might, I, I told one of my friends, he's very Christian, this, and I, that has nothing to do with it, but he's very loving and he's very this and that. And he prides himself on that. And I told him that one time. I was like, I think that I might be a little bit more empathetic, like all the stuff I've been through. And he was like, how does that make you empathetic? Because I, I understand. When I look at someone who's struggling, I know how they got there. And I know that they could be somewhere else. And I know I'm, I am that guy. I am that girl. I am, you know what I mean? That is me. I have that. We all have this capacity to, to, to be the person that we think is lower than us or above us. It's not, it's just, uh, you know, going through those experiences and coming out on the other end and just, I'm not, I'm, you're never on the other end, I don't think. But uh, just being mindful of that constantly is, is, I think it's changed my life profoundly. Yeah, I have a, so there, there, there are those set of people though that, like sometimes when I'll talk about my story, cause I'm in a union, right? Uh, a laborers union, not, not a labor, but I'm a, a mechanical insulator by trade. And I, I'm, I'm very involved in my local. And so when I would say stuff like that, there would be some guys that, you know, cause there are that set of people that don't get in trouble and don't do anything. Yeah. You know, they, they, they tow the line and they, you know, go through life and do what they're supposed to do. And, and, you know, it's good, but, they they often uh don't understand or or they get upset when you put put that out there like hey i i did this you know and and this is where i'm at and they're like do you know you yeah. they just don't understand it you know what i mean they're like oh you, you think you should be rewarded for going to jail what all of us had to do this you know what makes you so special but yeah. i mean you know everybody everybody's messy man everybody's got their own shit you know it, it, I've, I've gravitated to, well, thankfully, you know, the reason I think I gravitated toward calm, it's always been the thing I used to pr- pretend to do in the shower was comedy when I was a kid. And I didn't work up the nerve to do it till later in life. But, uh, you know, the, it's a very, it's a set of people that are not like that. They've experienced, everyone's weird and, and we go up and talk about it. So it's been super cool for me to be around people that like, they know all this and they love it. They want to hear stories and they're, they're, they don't, ju- they're like, you're a good dude, but they're just fascinated. It's not, they don't, they don't, uh, I think people that have never done anything wrong, especially ones that are uppity about it, they think because they've never gotten in trouble, it makes them a good person or a wise person or something like that. It's like, it doesn't mean that has nothing to do with your identity. The same way me going to jail in the past has nothing to do with who I am now. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not related. So I think it's scary sometimes when people are like, you know, when I was the GM of the restaurant, like I'd, I'd have people that were older than me and I'd be their boss. And, I, you know, they might be like, oh, I got out of jail a year ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hear that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I was good at my job. So they would always be like, I'm so surprised. And that's very, I love that. 
But I, yeah, the, the type of people that are, that are uh, you know, are you living life? Have you lived life? If you woke up at nine to five and you did that, and you know, you take your summers off, and you, you know, you, you, you do your, you know, what's comfortable your whole, did you live? I mean, is that, that scares me. That scares me. So yeah. those people, you know, I, I, I was, ex- yeah, I was exposed to, to people like that when I was out there selling drugs and doing my thing. Right. There would be, so, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to try and glorify it, but I mean, I spend a lot of time in strip clubs, which means, you know, if you spend a lot of time there, you're selling drugs there, you're going to obviously hang out with the girls that are there. Not because you're sleeping with all of them, but I mean, it's just the way it goes, you know? And so I'd have all these girls from the clubs that would come over, hang out. There would be, a, there was a set of twins that, that lived, uh, like right in my same complex around the corner, right within like two minutes away. So, I mean, I had tons of the, their friends would always be over and, there was this one guy, all right? Well, there was two of them, actually, but one of them uh, was a straight-laced dude. He was an ER doctor, right? Uh-huh. And uh, he had gotten hooked on prescription on, on prescriptions. And I guess they like these doctors, they have uh, uh, insurance plans that cover them for shit like that. So, like, if they get hooked on drugs, they this insurance will kick in. And he was making, like, $10,000 a month getting paid from this insurance right who who is who gets the the doctor gets the insurance yeah the doctor because- gets ten thousand because he's paying this for this premium for this insurance uh in case you know kind of you know like like some people insure- gets- yeah in case he-, he gets addicted oh wow so he did and uh he he was just as normal like you would never even think right it's just mm-hmm. it's crazy man even even the people that think that they're not gonna that they're above all of that you know they everybody's susceptible you know it's just some sometimes people and he was one of these guys that that went and did this whole thing through his whole life and he did the right thing and then once he got into a position then he just went buck wild and couldn't handle it and it's yeah. the reverse of us okay so w- when we really didn't have anything we kind of went buck and then yeah. and then when we were able to to actually have something now or a little bit smarter, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> I can't. I, I still feel like I have a propensity to burn my own house down. Like I, it, I find it. You know, I have a girlfriend that I've been dating for a long time. I was her boss at the time, and she, I hired her, and she's a uh, competitive lifter. Doesn't drink. Never done drugs. She's actually funny enough. She actually works in D.C. for the crime lab. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and when we were dating, you know what I mean? When we first started dating, I was smoking weed and, you know, I still smoke occasionally, but yeah, a comic for comics and stuff. But it's, uh, it, I still find myself, even though I'm happy and like, we just got a pet and like an apartment and things are starting to normalize. Ooh, take it, I know, taking I'm steps. Like freak out. Well, I, she's my best friend. Yeah, yeah. She puts up with everything. When I started comedy, she goes, you're funny. You were, <laughs> you know what I mean? You your way up a bit. You'll, you'll be fine. So she's been super supportive, but and we got a cat. I got a cat like a few days ago for my own sanity. But uh, uh, I still, I don't know if you have this, but it, it, you know, it's something I have to fight every day not to just like push people away. Mm. And you know, you know, with with all this stuff that's going on, you know what I mean? Like, let's say I get, you know, I get money from a gig, a comedy gig. Not now, obviously, because I don't know when we're getting back on stage. But I, you know, should I pay the rent or do I go? Oh, okay. uh, you know, because now I'm not. You know, I don't drink, and I don't do hard drugs, and so it's like, do I go buy a video game? Like, 
feed my addiction is it food sometimes i'll be at costco and i'll be up till three o'clock in the morning just eating like yeah 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 so, so i still have a propensity to kick myself uh, just kind of just detriment myself for some reason because i'm more comfortable in that headspace and i'm still trying to work on that so i definitely want to get it's uh we got about five more minutes and we're gonna have to start wrapping yeah. it up but uh I, I want to get to the comedy the comedy thing because i've been thinking man i'm just I'm just like, yeah, I got so many stories from my yeah. addiction and using days and, and, and all of that. And I've always wanted to do it, but I just don't, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, I don't understand. Like I listen to Rogan and he's talking about, cause he, he like, really wants the people to do that. Cause he, you know, he mm -hmm. wants people to try it out, yeah. but premises and all these other things, like how to write comedy. It's like, I don't understand it. And I've, and, and I guess, I guess, some people just say, well, you know, you can't really understand it until you get up and try it. It's true. And I, uh, you know what I mean? I started watching comedy when I was in high school in like the nineties, when comedy central was putting out those half hours of like Jim Gaffigan, when he still had hair, Mitch Hedberg. And like, they would just be, it was the only place you could see stand up, and it wasn't popular. You know, I'd have my friends over after high school and I'd show them stand up, and they'd be like, Ooh, like, why are you even, and so I, I just say that to me, like I've been in depth when podcast started, I was obsessed and I've been obsessed with comedy forever. And so when I got on stage for the first time, you know, I thought, I know all this stuff. I'll be, I'll be all right. Uh, the first time I got on stage was awful. Uh, <laughs> black out, I pretty much yelled at the audience. I did a horrible joke about my girlfriend getting, my ex-girlfriend getting hit by a car and it, it made no sense. And, uh, I remember the host after I got off was just, he didn't even say anything. It wasn't even a joke. Was, okay. <laughs> Which is like the worst thing. Cause he would, he didn't even, it wasn't even good enough for him to make fun of. <laughs> About that. But, you know, starting in comedy is not, uh, I still don't feel like I have a figure. I mean, I, I know that two years in, you're not going to figure it out. But I mean, you hear Rogan say it. He, st he still doesn't think he has a figure out. Without, my best advice is just to get on stage and stop. Don't stop getting on stage. And I know that's like what everyone says. Move the mic stand out of the way is like another one that you can just start on. But the big thing I think, as far as like writing, and you'll learn technical stuff. And people will have to. You can buy a book on that'll teach you how to like write a setup, write a punchline, write a story. But the main thing is not to limit yourself, because you know it's like so, I think sobriety too. And the only thing that's helped me in like because I didn't go to meetings to get sober or anything like that. I just thought, I was just like, I can't, I don't want to be this person. And I, and more so I wanted to be myself. I have this deep need to be this person that I've always been shutting off and, and drowning in alcohol and drugs. And so when I did it with comedy, the best advice you can have is just be yourself, regardless of what people think, regardless of what your union buddies who are assholes or like anyone who, who doesn't like our stories. And I wrote people the wrong way. There are people that are shocked. And like, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll make an old lady like go from hating me to loving me, like, you know, <laughs> but it, it, it's the only thing that you have in the world, I think, is how you see the world based on what you have. Your creativity comes from the experiences you had, your parents, how you grew up, where you grew up, what you did wrong, what you did right. And if you filter that because people aren't going to like it or this or that, you're, you're dulling the only thing that you have that's unique to you. So I, that's, I mean, if I had comedic advice, that's what I would give. Just be yourself. Don't be afraid. It's to do what makes your buddy laugh. Do what makes you laugh. People try to change their bits for the audience. And it's like, you're the authority. You're the one with the microphone. 
You tell them why it's hard. And eventually you'll figure out how to explain. Because it's really just trying to get, like, if I'm telling you a story, it's just you have to have the same image that I do in my head. So it's like, okay, and now my job is to try to figure out how I get that into your head. Hmm. That's a good That's a good explanation. And yeah. I appreciate it. Dude, man, get on stage, man. Just Google and open mic. Most comedy things or most comedy, like, I mean, you'll find some assholes, but most comedy, especially in, in, uh, in California, man, they're all over the place, dude. Yeah, where I'm at, there's, there's, uh, yeah, I got San Francisco. I've got, uh, there's yeah, one in man. Pleasanton. There's, uh, there's stuff that's all over right now. Um, bars are, I mean, not right now, but whenever you get yeah. the chance to whenever we just get on stage, man, I, I, it's so good for you. It's so good for you. And it'll make you feel less crazy when you tell a story that nobody, nobody in your normal life feels like they want to hear because it's painful or it's weird to them. You get on stage and tell 20, 30, 80, 100, 200 people that story and they all laugh. You go, I'm not crazy. You go, this, I'm not crazy. I'm not weird. Uh, there are people that are like-minded. And that's, yeah. that's the, like, my, my love for it comes from that. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like we can talk for a long, we, I feel like you and I can, can probably back and forth for about a good two hours about, about, you know, our lives and life and, you know, our philosophies and, and what we've learned. So, I mean, I imagine, uh, I'll probably have you back on, or if you ever want me on yours, we can, you know, we can, we yeah, can work we something can out. Uh, why don't you go ahead and plug your, uh, places and where people can find you? Oh, uh, well, uh, nowhere live yet. Uh, uh, but, uh, my Instagram is Scott Hall standup. At Scott Hall Stand Up, that's where I put up most of my stuff. And uh, my podcast is What's Your Deal? What's Your Deal with Scott Hall on YouTube and uh, on Instagram as well. Too. All right, great. And then, uh, like I always forget to do this, uh, I have you write uh, what two books that you would uh, recommend in a pod and podcasts. And, dude, I always forget that. I, it's all the way at the bottom, so I never get to it. <laughs> Oh, you'll just get into it? Rogan, obviously. Uh, I just think the guy, man, he is he's insightful. And if you've never, you know, he gets a lot of heat for being bigotry or whatever like that. But it's very rare that you get to hear someone have a long-form conversation with thoughts. You know, we're, we're in a society of headlines. So if you want to have your mind challenged or just, you know, just do scientists, this, that, anything you can think of, Rogan. You Made It Weird is Pete Holmes. He's a comedian. Uh, but it's very like this. He's very Buddhist-like. He's very ego. So he has these comedians on and he dives deep into like you know what they have going on the ego, what they have going on. It's very spiritual. I love it, uh, and it's you know what I mean. It's it lets you know you can be fun and also be serious at the same time because he gets in all that stuff and they're joking about it. Horrific things sometimes. They're having fun with it, so that's a great one. Uh, the books, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, was probably my introductory to. I read Ram Dass and stuff while I was in jail, and uh, it was you know I got it, but it was you know, a little heady, you're kind of jumping right in, uh, and Tai Chi Min, which is like an Eastern philosophy thing too. But, uh, uh, subtle art of not giving a fuck is like plain language. It's modern day. And he kind of just lets you know, like, you know, everyone has different goals. So it, it kind of let me know that not to compare myself with everybody. Everyone has different ambitions. Everybody's different. And then once I got into that, then I got into Eckhart Tolle, uh, a new earth. And that's just, pretty much explains to you that your all your suffering and all your anxiety and everything that, you know, it all comes from within. And a lot of it's ego telling you you're not good enough, telling you, you know, you need to be this, you need to be that, you shouldn't have done this or shouldn't do that. But no one else is thinking about that. Nobody has any answers. And all those thoughts are just coming from your own head. So, you know, the, 
all four of those things have been super beneficial to me. And they're things I go back to too when I'm struggling. That's awesome, man. And you'll, you'll be able to find all those and links to those books in the show notes and everything to find, uh, you in the show notes as well. So, Hey man, I appreciate your time and, and thank you. Um, let's be checking out some of your comedy. Hopefully you got some sketches on your, uh, on your Instagram that I can. Yeah, I'm right. sorry. I apologize in advance. <laughs> right on, man. All right. Well, have a good one, brother. Thanks so much. Justin. All right, Sean. All right. Bye.